Now I'm on. Good morning. Uh, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians, if you would, chapter 4. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in a moment we'll look at a lot of the context, but I want to just read uh, chapter 4, verse, uh, where do we want to start? We'll just start at verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry... As we have received the mercy, we do not lose heart, for we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, <clears throat> Excuse me, who do not believe lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Um, I saw a recent... Bulletin blooper. Want to hear it? The, the, morning, the morning bulletin said, uh, at this evening service, we'll have a special song, Walking on the Water. And the sermon title is, Where is Jesus? You get it? But it's a good question, isn't it? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Is Jesus the center of our lives? Is Jesus the center of our homes? Is Jesus the center of our church? Is Jesus the center of our gospel? Do we have a Jesus gospel or do we have, do we have a Christianity gospel? Paul says, we do not preach ourselves, verse 5, but Christ Jesus the Lord. We do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Um, why did Paul have to say this? Well, if you look at First and Second Corinthians, you see is what you see is that the opponents of Paul, really the opponents of the gospel, but 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 they they singled out Paul and were attacking Paul. The opponents of Paul were attacking the gospel by attacking him. And this is what happens when people don't have an argument. What do they do? They name call, right? No, really. If you, don't, if you had an argument, lay out the argument. And so people often don't have a real argument. They can't refute the truth. They can't refute the position, so they attack the person. Paul was repeatedly attacked on a personal level throughout his ministry. Instead of refuting his gospel, they, 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 wanted, they went after him to discredit him so people would not listen to the gospel that he was preaching. Um, We'll just look at a couple of scriptures. Uh, where do we begin? It just go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll, we'll see that Paul, I mean, this happened in many churches where he ministered. But it was really bad in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 1, he says, verse 10, I plead with you, brethren, be of this, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, that you may be 
um, perfect or mature, perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. For it's been declared to me concerning you, <clears throat> my brethren, by the, those of Chloe's house, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, now he's quoting, what he, this is what I'm hearing about you. Some of you say, I am of Paul, or I am of Paulus, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. And Paul says, is Christ divided? <laughs> Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Uh, in other words, uh, people were comparing the leaders and saying, I like this one, I don't like this one. They're criticizing this one and, and, and praising this one. And Paul says, it's not about us, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Jesus was crucified for you. You're baptized in the name of Jesus. It's about Jesus. And then he goes on and says uh, in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, Let a man so consider us, verse 1, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. More of us required in a steward that won't be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will, bring, uh, uh, both, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. So Paul's being judged by them. He's saying, I don't really care if you're going to judge me. You're going to judge me because God is my judge. Amen? God is the one who reveals the secrets of the heart. God knows what goes on in darkness. God, God is aware of everything. So God is the one who's going to judge. And then he says in verse 9, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, last, as men condemned to death. Now, now, now the, the, what's so striking about this is you have to remember, Paul is writing this because he's being criticized. So in other words, here's my defense of the bad opinions about me. Here's my, it's what he's saying, here's my defense. For I think that God has, has displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. To the present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and we're poorly clothed and beaten and homeless. And we labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. We've been made as the filth of the world, the off-scouring of all things until now. Uh, as we would say today, Paul was getting some bad Yelp reviews. Paul was getting a lot of bad press. And so his, his defense wasn't to boast. It was to show them everything that he had endured for the sake of Christ and Christ's gospel. And that this was, this was actually in God's plan. Um, and so there's many, many texts in First and Second Corinthians as well as elsewhere where Paul, you see that Paul is responding 
to, to personal attacks. It had gotten so silly that in 2 Corinthians, if you go back there where we started, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, um, <clears throat> Paul says this in verse 12, he says, For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, and the more abundantly toward you. And then he goes on and he, he describes how he was planning to come and visit them, and, but the, then there was a change in his plans, and he didn't come at the time that he was planning on coming. And so his enemy used, used that against them. Say, look at Paul, he's so carnal. He changed his mind. I mean, that's how trivial the attacks had gotten on Paul. Anything would do to undermine Paul. Anything would do to attack Paul. Because they couldn't refute the gospel. They couldn't refute the truth. So they had to go after the messenger. Very common method. Amen? Amen. People go after the messenger because they can't refute the message. And so what does Paul say? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, we're not preaching ourselves. So you could, Paul's saying, you can criticize me and you can attack me, but I'm not preaching me. I'm preaching Jesus. It's not about me, Paul says. It's about Jesus. Amen? Amen. So although they're trying to discredit the gospel by attacking Paul, Paul turns it around and says, you're missing the point. You're trying to make this about me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus Christ. He's the Savior, not me. You weren't baptized in the name of Paul. You're baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen? Paul wasn't crucified for you. Jesus was crucified for you. It's about Jesus. That's what it's about. And it's still about Jesus. Amen? It's about Jesus. I've noticed two phenomenons happening, and I'm, and I'm certainly not a prophet and I'm not a social scientist, but I try to stay aware of things that are happening as best I can. And, I, and I've noticed two phenomenons which um, on the surface might appear unrelated, but I think there's a connection. One is this. One is the... One is the uh, I saw this, this blog by a, like a, a social commentator that I watch, and he's actually an atheist, but he's got some good insights on stuff, so I'll watch it. And he, and he tells his, his story about the, the softening of his atheism and how he's... Yeah, I'm still an atheist, but I'm not an angry atheist, you know. Um, we all go through the angry, the angry atheist phase, and I, actually, I went through that phase, the angry, you know. Um, and so, but what was interesting is he never, and, and this is probably a 10 or 15 minute thing, he never mentioned Jesus, but he mentioned Christianity over and over and over and over. You hearing me? He mentioned Christianity. He mentioned going to church because his niece had some ceremony that he was invited to. And he's like, I don't really believe in all this hooey, but I went anyway. And, you know. But he never mentioned Jesus. So here's a guy that's rejecting Christianity. Right? He's rejecting Christianity. Well, if you, if you read between the lines of what he was saying, you, you, you can figure out what, he, what kind of religion, what kind of Christianity he was raised in, <laughs> okay? And I was raised in the same kind. 
and it made an atheist out of me too. And that's often what Christianity does. It prepares people to be atheists. Scary thought, isn't it? But it's true. I've met so many ex-Catholics who are atheists. I've met ex-Lutherans who are atheists, ex-Baptists who are atheists. So this is the other phenomenon we're seeing. More and more we're seeing um, the, now that we're into our second or third generation of, of the homeschooling movement, now we're seeing uh, these young millennials saying, yeah, I was homeschooled and it's insanity. I don't believe any of that. Or I, I was raised to not have sex cause marriage and I think that's a harmful teaching. I was taught to be modest, and I think this is bad. And so you see all of these younger people who were raised in the church, who were taught Christianity, basically rejecting it all. See that phenomenon anywhere? A lot of it. But the thing it has in common with the angry atheist, or or should I call them the mellowing atheist, is, is that they talk about Christianity a lot. They talk about church, but they're not talking about Jesus. They're not talking about Jesus. So what does that have to do with us? Well, we're ambassadors of the gospel, amen? Can I get an amen on that? Thank you. Just as Paul was, we are ambassadors of the gospel. We are not ambassadors for Christianity. We are not to preach Christianity. That is not what we are called to do. We are not called to defend Christianity. If you look at the history of Christianity, Christianity has done some wonderful things. A lot of great things have developed in Western culture because of Christianity. But you know what? There's a lot of bad things too. And a lot of times when you're trying to share Jesus with people, they can't get to Jesus because of Christianity. Well, what about the Crusades? And what about the Inquisition? And what about this? And what about that? And what about segregation in, in, in the American church? What about Christianity is an obstacle to Jesus. I had that problem when I came to Jesus. Now, the thing about Christianity in people's minds, a lot of times it's about, you know, an inch deep and a mile wide, right? What they really know is very little, and what they know is usually the bad stuff, right? So let's be honest about it. The media is not fair. The typical non-Christian, if they hear about Christianity, it's usually something negative. It's the, the evangelicals want to take over the world and impose a theocracy. You know, headlines like that. Um... Nevertheless, for every stereotype, there's, a, there's, a, there's always a little bit of truth. It doesn't grow out of nothing. It grows out of something. And so institutional Christianity has a really spotty record. A lot of great things, a lot of not-so-great things. But we're, we, we are called to not preach ourselves but the Lord Jesus Christ. That means we don't preach our brand of evangelicalism. 
We don't, we don't preach Christianity. We don't preach homeschooling. We don't preach... Um, we preach Jesus. Amen? That's what the, that's what the, the message is. It, it's, it's, the, it's the Jesus gospel, not the Christianity gospel. Jesus. So, when we talk about Christianity, our Christianity can be, a, 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 well, yeah, I'll, I'll say that first. No, I won't say that first. I'll say this first. So, you know what inoculation is? I was at the pharmacy not too long ago, and he said, hey, did you get your flu shot? And I said, no, because I don't want to get the flu. <laughs> I'm afraid of that. I might get, I'll get the inoculation, I'll actually get the flu. He's like, no, you won't get the flu. And so the way inoculation works is you get a little bit, right? You just get a little bit of the virus, just a tiny bit. But it causes your body to do what? Say it again. It, the nurse in the room says it creates antibodies. Yeah, and what do the antibodies do? They fight against the real thing. It fights against the real thing. You get a little bit, but not the real thing. You get this, and then it fights against the real thing. So what happens is the reason we get we're seeing these these uh, people saying, "Yeah, I was raised in the church." Blah 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 blah. It's all it's all garbage now, and I was raised in, it's all garbage. The the problem is many of them. I can't say all because I don't I don't know people's hearts, but I have I have a theory, and the theory is what's happened is they've been inoculated with a little bit, and that inoculation actually has caused them to reject the real thing, and they've confused believing in Christianity or accepting Christianity with actually embracing Jesus Christ personally. And there's a world of difference. A world of difference. Christianity can be a creed, a set of doctrinal statements that people believe in, but it can be a dead orthodoxy. Dead. It is a finely dressed cadaver. It looks beautiful on paper, but it is devoid of life. I'm probably going to look better in my casket than I do right now. <laughs> let's just say the truth. All right? Let's just, let's just, let's just get it all out there. But there's, there won't be any life there. It'll just be the corpse, right? And we can, have, we can have nice creeds and doctrinal statements and handbooks and, and we can have a paper church and it looks great on paper, but it's dead. It's dead. Some people think of Christianity as morality. And this is one of the, I think, one of the main problems with many young people who've grown up in the church. Is, is what they're rejecting is, is, a, a, is they're rejecting morality. Because they were raised in, in an environment which Christianity to them was yes or no, yes or no, and mainly no. Do the right thing, don't do the bad thing. Avoid this, avoid this, avoid this, and avoid this, and you'll be a good Christian. For some people, Christianity is 
a religion, meaning they actually, some people actually like religion. Now, I grew up in a religion which made me hate religion. All right? What I mean by religion is the liturgies and the robes and the candles and, you know, the decorations and the stained glass and everything that was associated with religion. Some people like that because there's an aesthetic appeal to it. All right? Now, now, many, 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 many years later, now that I'm not part of that, I can understand, actually, some of the aesthetic appeal of it. I get that. And in itself, it isn't wrong. The problem is it becomes a substitute for the real thing. So people, I, I, I've heard even atheists and agnostics say, well, occasionally I'll go to church just, just to kind of sit there and, and feel the environment. You know, like, I like the stained glass and the organ music, and it just provides some kind of psychological peace. Well, in and of itself, it's not bad. The problem is that that's not the same as meeting Jesus. Right? Not the same. And so, um, many of those rejecting the faith, whether, or whether they're just the, the out-and-out atheists or the, the, the uh, backslidden or the apostate evangelical, they're, they're rejecting religion. And I might even say more power to you for rejecting religion. But the question is for, I would say the question is for them is, do you know Jesus? Have you ever met Jesus? Now, I've been in ministry a long time. I don't know how many years. I can't count anymore. Long time. And I've seen the dark side of the church. It's like Pink Floyd, the dark side of the moon. You should listen to that album sometime. <laughs> you know, the side that nobody can really see. The dark side. And yes, it's pretty dark. Um, and if anybody has a reason to reject Christianity, it's probably pastors. Because they see the worst in the church. I, I mean, I really wish I could go back to those days when I was first saved and I'd go to church and I just assumed everybody was doing great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's doing awesome, man. Praise the Lord. They're, they're praising the Lord. Man, nobody's got problems. Nobody's struggling. Nobody's in sin. We're all good. Everything's good. Okay, well then, you know, the veil opens up and you see the dark side. Like, oh my gosh. People are really that... Fallen? People can really be that evil while they're professing Jesus? Yes, they can. But I know Jesus. I know Jesus. And there's a lot about American evangelicalism which I actually think is condemnatory. But Jesus is not. Jesus is praiseworthy. Amen? Amen. Jesus is praiseworthy. Now, now, you know, we're fallen, so what we do is we take Jesus and we start wrapping him up in different ways, you know. We wrap him up and make him a guru and make him this and make him a latte sipping, homosexual. We do all kinds of things with Jesus. I mean, there's a million Jesuses out there, right? We've got the American flag Jesus. I mean, there's all kinds of Jesus out there. That's our fallenness working its way out. But when you meet the Jesus of the Bible, 
This is what I tell people when I try to share Christ. I'm like, just read the Gospels. Just read them a few times. Just read the words of Jesus. Look at what Jesus did, how he acted, what he said. Look at Jesus. So there might be much to, to blame in the church, regardless of its denomination. Jesus is blameless. And we, we love and we serve and we adore and we witness for Jesus. We have a Jesus gospel, not a church gospel, not a Christianity gospel. If your faith is a creed only, then, brother, you might miss heaven by 18 inches. I'm telling you. Uh, you know, a lot of people believe in, in Christianity and says that they like the idea that God's there and you know, they're going to be forgiven. It, it's just like it gives them an intellectual structure and it provides some sort of psychological security because of that. But they don't know Jesus Christ. Other people, as I said, like the ritual uh, of a high church environment, but they don't know Jesus Christ. Christianity doesn't save us. Only Jesus saves us. And that's why Paul said, we do not preach ourselves, we preach Jesus Christ. Or as he said earlier to the Corinthians, when I came to you, I, I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was his message, and everything grew out of that. When you read Paul, it's amazing how in one sentence he can say the word Jesus ten times. No, I'm serious. It's either Jesus, our Lord, Christ, Jesus. I mean, it's like Jesus was so interwoven to everything he thought about. But what we, we often do is we, we take things and we separate it from Jesus. Okay, let's talk about how to be a good parent. And we don't mention Jesus. Well, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. I'm just FYI. I was talking to a brother recently. He was asking me, so, you know, your kids are older and they seem to be doing okay. So, you know, what would you do? Um, <laughs> I won't say that joke. Anyway, um, and I said, you know, and I don't know what, I don't really remember exactly what I shared, but, and I'm not sure it was actually very helpful. But, you know, when you, when you and I, but I thought about that conversation later. And the more I thought about it, you know, here's the question that, that, that every parent should be asking. Number one, do I love Jesus Christ? I'm talking parent, just parent. Do I love Jesus Christ? I mean, really. I mean, I know we sing these songs, you know, I love you more than anything, you're, you're my vision, I don't think about anything else. I know we say that. But do I really love Jesus Christ? And if you can say yes to that, then the only other question you have to answer is this. Do your kids know that? If you love Jesus, and I mean love Jesus Christ, not love Christianity, not love church. If you love Jesus Christ and your children know that you love Jesus Christ, I'm going to tell you, you got a good chance of your kids following Jesus Christ. Amen. But if you're just doing church, and even if you're a good church person, and there's no relationship that you have with Christ, and they don't see you love Jesus, well, you're diminishing your odds radically. Because 
what they're seeing, whether rightly or wrongly, what happens is they're seeing Christianity. They're seeing religion. They need to see what it looks like for a person to know and love Jesus Christ. That's what they need to see. Now, I'm not saying there aren't a lot of other things that parents ought to do, but this isn't a parenting sermon. Okay? My point is that we can get so focused on the secondary things that we forget the major thing. Right? We get so concerned with the techniques and the details and the structure of things, we forget the main thing. You know how many times I've said to people, uh, are, uh, are, and it's in a variety of different contexts, uh, so are your, are your parents saved? You know how many times people have said to me, well, they go to church. I mean, that answer is so common. And I remember hearing that when I was a younger Christian, and I, and I thought, oh my gosh, what if when I'm older and my kids are older, and maybe I'm already gone, dead and gone, my, my kids are uh, going to a church and they want to be a member there, and the pastor says, so tell me, are you from a Christian family? Were your parents saved? What would they say? Thank you. <laughs> But I, but I asked myself, will they say, well, they went to church? That's not good enough, folks. That's not good. That's not how you pass on the faith. Now, I'm not saying you don't go to church, and I'm not saying you don't take your kids to church. I think the kind of church you go to is very important. The church doesn't save you, but I can assure you the church can damn you. And I've seen a lot of people get in bad churches, and I've seen them, boom, down, their kids, down. It really matters, the community you're in. It matters the kind of fellowship you're surrounded with. But the church doesn't save you. Paul said, I do not preach ourselves we preach the Lord Jesus Christ. For Paul, Christianity was inseparable from Jesus. As a matter of fact, the way we think of Christianity was probably foreign to Paul's mindset. For Paul, the purpose of his life was Jesus. We'll look at a couple more scriptures, then we're going to close. You can go to Philippians. You all know the verses I'm going to read because we've heard them many times. In Philippians 1, Paul is um, imprisoned, and he's saying, uh, I'm in prison, but God is using that. There are people that are, that are preaching Christ. Some don't have good motives. Some do, but I'm glad Jesus Christ is being preached. And then he says, um, in verse, well, I'll just start in verse 19, New King James one nineteen. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but will be but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me 
To live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor, yet what I shall choose I cannot tell. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to, to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Paul is saying, I'm in prison. There is a chance that I will be executed. I don't know. Um, but what he's saying is, my preference would be to go to heaven. Amen? I want to go see Jesus. <laughs> That's what he said. I want to go see Jesus. But if God wants me to stay, I'll stay, and God will be magnified by me staying. He'll be magnified in my body if I live. He'll be magnified in my body if I die. This was Paul's desire and Paul's passion. For Paul, Christianity was about Jesus Christ. That's why he says in chapter 3, Verse 7, but what things were gained to me, these I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. I mean, do you realize what the man's saying? I've lost all my friends. I've lost my reputation. I've lost my income. I've lost my job. I've lost my standing in the Jewish community. I've been, I've been uh, disrobed. I'm no longer a Pharisee. I have lost everything that was important to me, but it doesn't matter because I have Jesus. I have Jesus, he says. And therefore, not only have I counted it lost in the past, I count it lost now at the present moment. It's okay that it's gone because I have Jesus. That I may gain Christ. Gain Christ. Not gain religion. Not gain Christianity. Not gain a creed. But to gain Christ. And be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him, he says, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. I want to know Jesus in the good. I want to know Jesus in the bad. I want to know Jesus in the high, Jesus in the lows. I want to know Jesus. Amen? Do you want to know Jesus? For Paul, Jesus Christ was the the essence of what we, what we mean by Christianity. He wanted to live for Christ. He was willing to die for Christ. Paul's religion was not about a cause. It was about a Christ. For Paul, Jesus was the author and finisher of his salvation. He was the captain of his salvation. He was the Lamb of God, the bread of life, the Alpha and Omega, the all in all. Not a small part he was the beginning, the middle, and the end. Paul's passion for the gospel, his passion for God's people, were all wrapped up in the fact that Paul loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. Christianity is not about church. It's not about the creed. It's not about the morality. It's about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ as Lord. That is who we preach. Amen? Let's stand together. Lord Jesus, words are not sufficient. 
words are just not sufficient. And I know that my words today are wholly inadequate to convey the centrality that you ought to have in our lives. I pray, Lord, that we as your people would be true Christ lovers, Christ followers. I pray, Lord, that we would would get our priorities right and that you would be the first. You would be the beginning, you would be the middle, and you'd be the end. The Alpha and the Omega. I pray, Lord, that as we share our faith, it would be, it would be our, our faith in you, our love for you. That we, we would not be, people would not hear us preaching religion. They would hear us talking about someone that we know and love. And I pray for, I believe that many here know you, Lord. I pray for those that know you. I pray, Lord, for a deeper, deeper level of love for you. And I pray that that love would overflow to others. I pray that, that others would see that love for you, that that love would motivate them to share the gospel with others, the gospel of Jesus. And Lord, if there's any here that have been inoculated, I ask God that you would save them. Save them, Lord, from, the, from, the, from the, that pathogen or that virus. Save them, God, and help them embrace the truth. And Lord, if, if we have in any way been a stumbling block, we ask you to forgive us by our, by our religiousness at times, our, our morality, our self-righteousness. Forgive us, Lord. And I pray that they would look at Jesus. We are all flawed followers. But Jesus, you are a perfect Savior. I pray, Lord, that you would open their eyes to see you. Not to see us, but to see you.